welcome to Facebook Live Town Hall. I'm your host, Mr. Z, and I'm glad to have you all with us again tonight. Uh, we've got uh, Dr. O in the house, as usual. So, Dr. O, welcome again. Good evening, I everybody. I know you've got a tight timeline tonight, so I want to make sure we get right to it uh, because I know you have to skip off at seven at seven thirty for a call right, that you've yes. got scheduled tonight. Um, let, give me a second while I put up questions. Um, by the way, before we get started, just a reminder that you can. Uh, right in the comment stream on Facebook if you're watching us there. I do encourage as many people as want to to please pop over and join us in the Zoom room. It's always great to talk to people and not just rely on the text that we're doing either in the Facebook room or in the Slido, which I'll put up in just a second. But if you want to do follow-up questions or you want to talk with us, please feel free to click on the link that's in the comments of the post for the meeting tonight and come on over and join us in the Zoom room. We're happy to have more people here on this side. And we had a wonderful uh, open house today where we had uh, 50 people in a Zoom meeting and all asking questions about the school and going on a virtual tour with us uh, to introduce them to ASW. So uh, we know that the Zoom works and we're very happy to have you over here joining us. Uh, let, and I see Zoom Warsaw is up there. I'm not sure who that is, but please, uh, if you have, uh, if you want to pop in at any point, ask a question, please feel free to join us. Let me put the uh, questions up on the screen. I want to remind everybody that Slido, the questions don't go away. They're just scrolled down here at the bottom. They tend to move around. I did learn a new trick, though. I know that I can now click on these two double arrows and it holds that question at the top so it doesn't disappear on us. So um, I'm going to take these uh, uh, and make sure that we get every question answered tonight. Uh, we may highlight or kind of move through some quickly, which are repeats of other questions. And so just be aware of that as we go through the questions tonight. Um, there's a number of questions in here and I may skip a few of them. But I'm going to talk about it now and that's about the Easter break. And that's related to calendar questions that are woven throughout. We haven't made a decision on calendar yet. Um, and you'll see in the questions tonight that I can answer things pretty quickly. Uh, but with the backdrop of we're looking at all the information. Uh, we have a staff survey that we did just before break. We've got a parent survey launching tonight. So parents, uh, please go into our rolling uh, uh, confidence survey because there's a question at the bottom and it's about whether you would like to see us look at any changes for the calendar. And then there's an open text field for you to make your suggestions on what you think we should do about the calendar. And there's also an option there to say, no, I like the calendar the way it is. And we'd like to have everybody go to that rolling confidence survey. It's been cleared. We're building new statistics now after the February break. And so we're moving that direction. So do we know if we're going to have virtual school after the Easter break? No, we don't right now. We're still in the process of studying and looking at it. Dr. O, from a medical perspective, we're also seeing evidence of another wave coming on. And, and, and it's kind of a plateau wave, may go up, may go down. What's your kind of insight as a backdrop to this? And then we can move on to the other questions about this planning forward. Well, looking at the, you know, at the, at the numbers in uh, kind of some of the neighboring countries like Czech Republic, or maybe others like the UK, Spain, uh, they have just ended the third wave. The third wave was the strongest of all so far. Uh, it seems that the third wave is just starting in Poland now. They have been talking about uh, numbers exceeding 30, 40,000 even. 
uh, which is probably uh, you know a good uh, a good projection uh, to be honest uh, looking at uh, at uh, at the trends so far and looking at what was happening in the last uh, 7 to 14 days with uh, <clears throat> uh, you know with uh, uh, hotels opening etc obviously it has uh, it has implications so we are seeing the third wave I think we are seeing more and more of the British variant uh, coming in. <laughs> Obviously, in Poland, we don't have the, the uh, genomic sequence as developed as in the UK, for example. Uh, so we, you know, we, we don't have the idea of what is the <clears throat> what is the uh, frequency and the extent of other strains of the virus. But uh, based on the on the observations of the uh, you know of the virulence of this uh, of some of the infections meaning you know so many people getting infected from the kind of similar environments which is unprecedented um, points to the fact that probably it is the British variant it may be the South African as well because we have had uh, one case I think already documented uh, so uh, yes get ready for uh, you know uh, get ready for uh, more yep and so that's kind of on our radar and I, I know we're assessing that we're assessing our own situation and certainly the local regional area as well in that mix uh it is disappointing that we don't have confirmation of these variants here as as may be the case in other countries but i think as you point out the evidence tends to point in that direction. And uh, certainly we're gonna be keeping an eye on this. Uh, we did do a staff survey and actually communicated the results to staff earlier this week, uh, but it was on calendar, it was about evenly split. 52 in favor of some change to the calendar with lots of suggestions, about 48% saying don't change the calendar. Um, and, and this is why we're still considering and thinking about it. Uh, we're not making decisions at this point. Um, similarly, um, we're still thinking about April, uh, if we keep it, what it will look like. We already planned for two days after the April break um, and not a virtual week because we're going to be doing uh, conferences online. And so we have two virtual days built in. We did fairly well with testing and with identifying our cases on the three-day weekend. So the protocol actually seems to have worked fairly well. We do have a, a spate of kids who are out for necessary exclusions for travel, and we've managed those, I think, pretty effectively. Um, but I think next week is when we're going to look over all the data and start thinking about April and what our plans might be. And of course, in that context, we're also going to be gathering this data about calendar and how that might impact how those decisions might be made as well. So um, stay tuned. I think we've got next week sometime we'll have some news uh, for giving us some clarity of our plans uh, going forward. Um, great news on the vaccines. We got teachers getting their first jab, as we like to call it, on Friday. Uh, looks like we'll have 300 plus uh, that will receive their first dose of the AstraZeneca vaccine under the phase one teacher program. Dr. O, I know the, the inevitable question is going to be vaccine rollout for the rest of Poland and for other categories. And particularly, I know there's some out there who would love to hear about vulnerable categories, uh, those individuals with uh, chronic conditions, uh, with special needs. And of course, we've got kids in hybrid, that that's a factor for them and their families. Do you have any 
sense of the vulnerable populations and how that might roll out here? I know that they were classified, but we haven't heard anything yet. I think the registrations um, start next week for the vulnerable population. So I think that's good news. The bad news is the, um, uh, a couple of the manufacturers have stopped supplying for now. So they, there's a bit of a halt. Uh, there's a bit of a halt in the supply for Pfizer and Moderna until mid-March or so. Uh, uh, but Astra is available. So, uh, you know, I think there, there was a bit of a, of a rhetoric in the media by one of the key advisors to the prime minister on halting uh, anybody other than elderly and vulnerable populations for now. And that's so, primarily in the Pfizer Moderna class. Correct. Because again, we're still got the limits for the AstraZeneca, uh, it tops out at 69. It tops out at 69. Um, so, um, so yes, yeah, so probably we will see, uh, you know, the efforts of the government, rightly so, to be honest, mm -hmm. uh, directed toward the most uh, at-risk populations. Uh, because this is, I mean, you know, in the end, uh, if we kind of cut off this uh, 60 plus risk or 65 or whatever, 69 plus risk category, cut off meaning they are vaccinated, they are protected, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, COVID is manageable. Yeah, on a population level, yes, it's it it may be spotty a, a deadly disease for some, mm -hmm. uh, but again, uh, so is uh, you know flu, uh, mm -hmm. so is regular pneumonia, uh, so is walking down the street and getting hit by a car. Uh, so, uh, but but uh, other than the elderly, where the death rate is up to 20, 25 percent. Mm -hmm. Uh, we don't, we, you know, uh, I mean, we should not be that scared of COVID. Uh, at least it doesn't seem like, again, from a population level, I'm not talking about individual. Obviously, again, right. I, I, I don't want to get sick and I don't wish anybody to get sick. Mm -hmm. uh, however, from a population standpoint and from a kind of return to normalcy standpoint, uh, this will help us accelerate return to normalcy because we will not be afraid anymore of the uh, potential overload of the healthcare system, mm -hmm. uh, which is the main challenge in this pandemic. It's not, uh, you know, it's not that it's a deadly virus for everybody. It's, it's that it's very infectious and it's very uh, severe for a part of the population. And that's what you shared with me is that while we look at two numbers relative to vaccines, both the number of protecting you from getting COVID, but it's really the number of protecting you from serious consequences relative to getting sick. Yeah, it's, and it's, that that's the number they're really using as a determination for getting a vaccine out and approved is that number that it has efficacy there. That's the key point in the end, because, you know, the uh, and, and for now, again, the, we actually don't know whether the vaccine protects you from getting infected. Yes. So that it protects you from having disease and from having severe disease. Mm -hmm. And in the latter category, actually, most of the vaccines work about the same. The efficacy is somewhere north of 90% for preventing right. severe disease, which is very good, which is exactly what we need. Because that's what, you know, again, from the health, from the population health perspective, this number is the one that matters most, is reducing, minimizing, eliminating severe COVID. 
because mild COVID, okay. You know, I, I'm having fever and chills, not mm. a big deal, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, having somebody on respirator, big deal. So that's where yeah. we need to act. Well, and that, that was my fear level as I went through this. And yeah. luckily I had mild symptoms, um, you know, and we've had this range and, and, yes. and certainly we have many kids who've had COVID have been identified and they've had little or no symptoms in Correct. some cases. Yeah. And so we've always known this from the beginning. And know this from and, the beginning. That's why the, the, the surveillance yeah. testing. <laughs> yeah. I do wonder if some of our early childhood students have actually had COVID and we never knew it. Could be. Yeah, yeah could be. Could be. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a possibility. Yeah. And actually, that's the other part we don't know that well yet, which is does as asymptomatic infection produce sufficient level of antibodies? Right. For protection. And for how long? Because I know and that- For how that... long? So that's the, that's the part we don't really know whether uh, severity of disease is directly related to future protection and to the level of antibodies. So, yeah, anyway, yeah. yeah that's what we keep fighting. There's a couple of questions in the in the Facebook chat. One is, um, and I think I can start to answer, but I want to make sure you weigh in as well. So if we're talking about a third wave going to 40,000 plus cases, how will the school respond? And I think the first thing I would say is we've been there, did that in October. That was the number we were dealing with. But we possibly, as we responded, were maybe just a bit late going to higher frequency testing. And so knowing that this time, I would suggest it's our frequency of testing that has already put us in a good place for the next wave. And we kind of validated through this process that this twice a week scenario is, is protecting us at the level we need to be protected, even if the caseloads go up to what we had back in October. Yes, correct. As, and as you said, uh, John, we've been there. We've, you know, we, <clears throat> we uh, had implemented appropriate measures and, uh, you know, I would say at this stage, uh, as long as we are not, you know, crazily beyond the 40,000 uh, mark, uh, I would not change anything. There you go. Um, and then uh, the other question here is, and we were touching on it briefly, and that's reinfection for recovered. We don't really know. We kind of generally assume from the literature that our three-month protocol is the right space of time. I know that the literature and the research is hinting at five, maybe, possibly less. Again, a lot of the research is still coming in. We're only a year into this disease, so it's understandable that we don't really know this yet. Hmm. But we're quite comfortable with our three-month stand, aren't we? We are quite comfortable with the three months. And <clears throat> there is, again, there's always two things we have to consider here. It's a bit like the face mask. Uh, how much am I protected? And how much are others protected from me? Right. Uh, because as much as uh, infection will protect the infected individual for months, maybe even more than three months, maybe six, maybe nine, maybe 12, from getting again, severe symptomatic disease in the future. Yeah. However, it may not protect that person from actually getting infected and spreading to others. Right, so and we've the, always assumed that. So that's why we wanna be cautious in that. That's way. why we wanna be cautious. That's why, again, nobody at this stage is saying people who are vaccinated, they can suddenly take their masks off, they can start you know, kind of roaming around because actually we actually don't know. There is some very little, very little evidence from the vaccine trials clinical trials 
yeah. knowing that there may be some signal, but it's extremely, extremely early. So before we have sufficient, uh, actually, time period of observation in countries like Israel, where yeah. a vast uh, population uh, has been already uh, vaccinated, we have a, we will have the longest uh, time of observation there, and they are actually doing, you know, very good with data. I mean, uh -huh. they they're really very good with data, and they're publishing the data. So so we will know a lot after the Israeli experience. So, you know, we wait and we, we, we continue as is until yeah. we know better. There's a, there's a point here that popped up really quickly. I popped it right up to the top and I may have misquoted, but I thought we did at one point hit 40K daily cases. Do you remember the numbers back in Oslo? It was kind of in the 30,000, I think for sure. I can't remember if it was 40, but certainly we were, you know, in the uh, kind of upper 20s, lower 30s. Right. Again, we're just estimating numbers here that are in ballpark. It's hard to quantify these things specifically, but I, I, I'm, I'm almost sure I saw something in the high 30s and certainly around 40. Again, I think, and I, I agree with the comment that you know we it seems we're overly confident. We we may be actually overly confident because again. The 40,000 today may be very different from the 40,000 back in October. Well, and that's because of the variants. Of the if the variant yeah. is a different variant. Yeah. So that's where, uh, you know, we, we, we will be observing it very, very closely. Uh, because again, as, as you rightly point out, uh, it may be a completely different ballgame this time. Yeah. Um, this one is about, uh, again, spring break. And I think I've talked about that. So we're going to be discussing and dealing with that in the next week and, and certainly having conversations with the board as well. So we'll keep working on that. Um, this one's already been answered. We got it. Uh, and yes, the embassy was helpful in this. I want to point out uh, that our embassy, U.S. embassy and other embassies had reached out to the Polish government. And that was part of the reason behind the regulation changes that emerged um, just about a week ago uh, that changed the article that authorized all of this and included the foreign schools under diplomatic missions. So I, I just wanna make a quick shout out to the embassy for their efforts on our behalf. It was a multi-pronged effort. Epixpert was involved too, guiding us to the right people and the right uh, questions to be asking. Uh, but uh, I, you know, I, I think uh, them calling us and saying, we're ready to vaccinate you now and us being able to orchestrate this quickly was a result of many hands, not the least of which is uh, my sec secretary Beata and her daily phone calls and, <laughs> and certainly uh, the diplomatic notes and the documentation and, and the ministry's wisdom that there were a number of schools in our same category that they needed to promulgate into the regulations and they did so with all haste. So uh, kudos uh, to the health ministry and the education ministry on pulling that together for us as well. Um, find out early this time if there will be virtual. Yes, I, again, I'm gonna do this quickly and make sure that we have this uh, in, in early decision as opposed to our responsive decision. With the high school virtual and the amount of people away, isn't it the smart choice possibly? And again, I appreciate your input on this, uh, but we're taking all this into account and trying to digest it carefully, cautiously, thoughtfully, and then in either administration will make our proposal to the board or the board will suggest that they want to have a deeper conversation and want to move uh, to making changes. 
Um, sports, thanks for the sports team and extra opportunities for middle school students to do sports, the open gyms and everything. Sorry about this Saturday, but we'll be back up and running the following Saturday. I think that's been a great boon for our kids and helping them out. Um, and thanks again also to the athletics department for live streaming the middle school and high school sports last week is a great opportunity to watch the kids and there's more on tap coming soon. Uh, the new variants of the virus are dominating new infections and they're much more easily transmitted and, and infectious um, type of masks and we've started discussing this about a week or so ago. We did start having people directly contact parents where they were seeing kids struggling with masks or having difficulty, and we were going to continue that reach out to try to help families uh, in that regard. But Dr. O, relative to FFP1, FFP2, N95, I know we've said no to vents, so vents should be off the table. But any other thoughts on changing masks or upping the ante here? Well, you know, it's, it's a very good point. And as you said, we discussed it. And uh, obviously, the CDC has updated their guidelines and they upped the game on that one. The Polish government has upped the game on that one and said only surgical masks allowed, no bandanas, no other crazy uh, things. Mm -hmm. um, so um, I have other customers where we, uh, after deliberations, we actually went uh, FFP2 mm -hmm. for everybody. Uh, uh, especially, you know, obviously in kind of adult only situations, but also in high school situations where it's a bit more bearable. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yes, I think uh, that is uh, a point where we may be revisiting. So we're going to continue talking about this in the coming days. And if we make a decision, we'll push that out to families and make sure that you have notice on uh, making that change and beginning to upgrade. And it can also be accomplished through multi-layer, I think. Correct, so oh. that's the CDC recommendation that uh, to include a cloth mask and a surgical mask. Okay. So uh, never do uh, two surgical because they're, they're kind of the same. So the additional layers mm -hmm. don't protect you, but the kind of two different types, yes. So that's another approach that we may be but don't don't worry about this now, everyone. No. Um, we're gonna we're gonna make sure we do this right, communicate it to you, and make sure that we help everybody understand um, the level that we're going to. And we'll talk about all of our protocols in the context of that as well. Uh, many families were traveling during the last break, but it seems that not all of them reported. Actually, we've been pretty good at identifying anything that might have been. Uh, mistakes or misunderstandings, um, and and we we hear quite quickly. So you know it's it's very feasible for us to manage this. And while we have a number of kids out um, on their exclusion, um, it's being managed well. And again, it's just information for us to make decisions about the next break and what we might choose to do. So certainly uh, appreciate your input and your feedback on that. Um, a one-week washout should be in place. Well, again, yeah, we're talking about that, and uh, the week after is certainly on our minds. Um, we did make this decision back in uh, November relative to the breaks. We announced at that time what we would be doing for the shorter breaks that was different from the three-week Christmas break. Um, we're managing that as best we can. So, again, we'll keep, we'll keep looking at this, and we appreciate the feedback and the insight. 
I uh, don't have percentages on staff, but it's roughly in the 80, 90% range. Uh, we have 300 plus uh, that are signed up as of this afternoon, but we're still finishing our tally and getting our list together for tomorrow. Uh, and then we'll be submitting those so that they bring exactly the right number of doses uh, for our process. Um, so again, very strong sign up from staff. Uh, let's see, I'm gonna tick that. I keep forgetting to click my double arrows here. Uh, it's too early to say the decision to open school this week is a good, I don't, I haven't said that yet. I said that we're reviewing the data next week and we'll be back to you with more details about what we plan to do as a result of our review. Um, so that's not saying that we think we did the right thing this week. Uh, we, I'm just saying what we decided in November, this is what we were, we were doing. Uh, we allow for teachers who refuse to vaccinate to continue working for the school. Um, yes, uh, vaccinations not being required. This is an elective choice. It's a health decision by every individual as it is for every family. Uh, there's no discussion right now about requiring vaccination because that doesn't constitute a risk to those vaccinated for having non-vaccinated. It's a risk to the non-vaccinated person. But again, if we're following protocols and doing the things we need to be doing, uh, we can continue to protect both sides of that equation within our population. And, we and remember that the, the non-vaccinated person and the vaccinated person are both risk to others. There's still risk for potentially being in. So it doesn't matter whether you're vaccinated or not, you're still a risk to others, at least based again on the knowledge that we have today. Which is once why the protocols stay in place. Protocols stay in place. The ones who are vaccinated then are, uh, do not have risk to themselves. So the ones who are non-vaccinated, they put more risk on themselves, but that's their own choice. I mean, I, you know, some people like bungee jumping uh, and that's allowed uh, and others don't. Uh, so, but we are not uh, forcing everybody to do bungee jumping. Right. Um, and and uh, there's a question over the comment about masks at early childhood related to vaccination. And as we start uh, getting vaccination in place, again, this is part of that overall mask conversation, but, um, and, and we don't have a lot of evidence of early childhood spread either. So it, it's, it's possible that there may be some opportunities to look at the youngest children. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, spring break should be reconsidered. I get it. Thank you for your feedback. Happy to have it. Uh, what is the outlook for trailing spouses? Unfortunately, can't do anything with those that are not uh, directly connected to the school in some way. It's a formal uh, requirement uh, under the group, under the phase one, group one uh, protocol. This is about school personnel. And it's only recently expanded to school personnel. Uh, it was originally only teachers, and it actually was originally only teachers of grade three and below when we were first starting to ramp up this process. So a lot has changed in the last two and a half weeks, um, and, and it was just literally at the beginning of this week, and I think actually today officially that it was opened up for all school personnel. And then there's a list in the regulations that clearly describe who we can and can't put on lists relative to that. We will be covering bus uh, cafeteria. Those were included. Um, all of our ancillary uh, support staff, uh, including administration and secretaries and, uh, and staff and offices. Uh, so again, 
Um, we can't really expand this to trailing spouses or to 18 plus children uh, or any other groups. It really is at this point limited to phase one. But my understanding is they have enough doses of the AstraZeneca to cover faculty in Poland, um, or at least most of faculty. We think there are only maybe short a few thousand here and there that, that they're going to need. And by the time they get to the rest of faculty, they'll hopefully have additional supply. Is that a good, correct statement, Dr. Rowe? Yeah, absolutely. I saw, I'm sorry, I have to jump off, but I, I see there's uh, some questions mainly for you. Yeah. Uh, but uh, there was one question, are we following the CDC rules or Polish authorities? <clears throat> so uh, we're actually uh, not sticking to any particular country's regulations. We kind of cherry pick the best of the best worldwide. And right. we make the best protocol ever. Uh, the closest one, I would say, which is still a, a level, uh, I think, probably at the same level as ours, is Harvard University. And this is where I'm kind of constantly looking at because they are off the charts in terms of testing. They have also very frequent twice a week testing. Uh, and uh, But they, for example, only recently introduced this twice a week testing for everybody, also people for who are living off campus, because normally they had it only for the on campus right. residents. So again, we were, and you know, ASW was even before Harvard to implement all these uh, protocols. Uh, so uh, again, we, uh, we we cherry pick. We are much, we are, if you know, Poland is kind of level one, CDC is level seven, we are kind of level 95. And, and then we got to do the distinction between guidelines and rules. We comply yeah. with all rules yeah. and regulations, but we more likely than not exceed that because our guidelines are based on the best and most recent researched advice, which Harvard helps to really inform that process. But CDC does too, because particularly now, CDC yeah. is doing a good job of updating their rules, particularly as they're guiding schools in the United States to start opening. And of course, what we've seen in the CDC rules is a lot of what we had already adopted. <laughs> and now they're starting to put that into place in order to be able to reopen schools in the United States. And I'm actually getting, uh, speaking of Harvard, I'm getting, uh, I didn't mention it to you, John, I forgot, but I'm actually getting on a, a kind of small uh, a closed uh, discussion with uh, Dr. Mina. Oh, great. Oh, wonderful. We finally connected with minutes. him. We've been pinging him for months. I finally, <laughs> I finally connected with him and uh, we have uh, kind of together with a few people around the world managed to get him to have a 45 minute uh, conversation with us. And, and, <laughs> and to, to clue everybody else in out in the audience, Dr. Mina is is our, our model. I mean, he really yeah, has correct. been talking about frequent health surveillance testing since very early in this protocol development. And so, I mean, he's he's just absolutely fabulous. And I've shared some of his videos in our daily update. Yeah. So yeah, I, may, yeah, yeah. I may have to refresh a couple of those and throw them out one more time. But that's brilliant. I, I, I can't wait to hear yeah. it. <laughs> Take care, All right, guys. well, Do Bye. Dr. O, sorry, I know you need to go. So go ahead and head out. I'll do my best with the rest of the questions, okay? Thank you, bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, so we answered that one. Uh, since financial stability admissions numbers similar last year, LIBOR historically low, why significant raise in pandemic times where companies struggle? Well, I, there wasn't a significant uh, raise. I'm pr I presume this question is talking about tuition. 
Uh, it was all uh, pretty much described in the letter. Um, it's, it's pretty much the normal increase that we've done over the last three to five years. Um, you know, we, we really did take a very close look at it. And again, despite all of this, costs are still there and, uh, and there's still uh, things that we have to be able to do to stay open as a school. So if you want to have more conversation about uh, finances relative to the school, we're always here. Please call us and we're happy to sit down and explain in greater detail beyond the long messages that we've sent out to try to understand. You're also welcome at board meetings uh, to hear the discussion around uh, these decisions and public comment uh, to share your thoughts on that. All of the packets go out beforehand. So again, I don't think that this can be characterized as a significant raise because it really is in keeping with our commitment to stay under a certain level, which we've complied with over a number of years. Um, so uh, again, uh, I thank you for your comment. And if there's more that we can discuss with you offline, we're happy to do that. Um, why maintain the spring break? Well, I don't know. We don't know that yet. Again, we talked about it. We're going to be assessing and looking at the data that we're collecting. And this, you know, putting an opinion here is not necessarily the best place. Go to the survey. There's a question there about calendar. Include your comments. Vote. We want that feedback. We will compile it. We will take it to everyone who needs to look at it in order to get a decision made. Uh, but a decision is not made yet. Right now, what we have is a calendar we've all adopted and agreed to. Uh, at, and going into this point in time, there was not yet an appetite for change, uh, but we're taking it under advisement and gathering data from all our stakeholder groups in order to uh, make a decision about whether a change is warranted. Um, again, uh, talking about uh, the weeks and exams, um, we are still uh, doing everything we can to avoid any disruption to our schedule and try to keep things on track. I uh, saw things about mock exams and all of the things that are still on track, finished up a lot of extended essay in the last couple of weeks with uh, seniors well on track towards graduation, sat in on a class today uh, that was on Zoom. They're continuing working, even in virtual mode, everybody's on track and everybody's finishing what they need to finish. So uh, we're doing everything to make sure that we avoid uh, additional disruptions. Um, Lecture, I don't know. This is again, more about calendar and certainly we're taking it under advisement. Uh, Drive-through cafeteria at ASW campus. I have no idea what that's all about. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Um, and certainly that's never been on our radar, but thanks for the thought. I have no idea how to answer that. I don't think there's a possibility of that, uh, but, uh, but certainly appreciate your input and your question on that. And we'll just have to wait and see. Let's see, I'm going to pop over to Facebook just really quickly. Um, how many, uh, there was a question about how many staff members volunteered for the vaccination. I think I, I hit that already in terms of 300 plus. And so we're definitely on our way to getting the vast majority of our staff uh, done on Friday. Teachers who were vaccinated with AstraZeneca and other schools are known to be very sick after the shots. It, there is a possibility of side effects. And I've talked with Dr. O about this. As there is with all of the vaccines that are out there, they have a percentage that they've applied to that. 
Um, we'll take care of it, don't worry. Uh, and, uh, and it's only one to two days. All of the reports about side effects are very short in duration, which is part of the reason uh, that we planned Friday. We did not have a choice on all at once. We, we were only offered one date. There is no makeup date. There's no other option. If, you don't, if teachers don't get a shot now, they'll be waiting for the public program. So there's no, there's no do-over on the teacher vaccination. And, uh, and I know that's challenging for some, but that's the way it is. And that's the way it's been presented to us. Uh, they will be pre-scheduled for coming back for second dose. As you know, AstraZeneca requires two doses. And we'll be announcing that date shortly after they're here on Friday. We're currently talking with them about confirming that date now so we know well in advance of when that next date will be. And it'll be sometime between 8 and 12 weeks after Friday. So we'll be, we'll be scheduling that and making sure we deal with that. Uh, but there is really no option to schedule other dates or do other times. Um, so we had to do it this way. And, and other schools have done this. Uh, in fact, Dr. O mentioned to me right before the call tonight that he went and observed at another school that was doing the same process. And he observed uh, the doctors that are working for the company that are coming on Friday. And he said they were very good. They did an absolutely wonderful job. Uh, they're very competent English and Polish speakers. And they'll be able to muster us through our process very efficiently. So he's, he's very uh, laudatory of their efforts. And he said they did a great job. So there you go. I, I think we'll be fine, but we have plans to cover and do what we need to, uh, whatever the circumstances come Monday. Uh, that's again until Monday. We always have a three to five day period when we have multiple individuals in a single cohort. And so uh, we're following that normal protocol as we've used in the past. We used it after the October break. We used it uh, earlier in the year. And so we're just following that again. And that's why the wait until Monday uh, because of the weekend. Uh, so we've decided to do our retesting on Monday and uh, try to facilitate that as quickly and seamlessly as possible on Monday and then get everybody back on Tuesday. Uh, we could not get a, the, the staffing necessary to do it on the weekend, and it was still short on days by the time uh, uh, we got to the weekend. So ultimately, crisis team looked at it and felt that for incubation purposes to make sure we catch any remaining uh, positives that we needed to wait until Monday to make sure that we were doing due diligence to the whole cohort. I know it's hard for seniors to miss so many classes, but they're not missing. Remember, they're working hard with their teachers. I watched multiple virtual classes engaged today with staff uh, that were here at school, making it happen for the kids. So uh, we're very good at turning the switch on virtual mode and, and working the process. Uh, I think I dropped in on business management and, and theater. So even, even classes like that are working hard together on the things they need to be doing um, at this time of the year. And are you going to be going to give the teacher a choice not to be out? Yes, absolutely. It's not mandatory. It's teacher choice. And teachers are choosing to get vaccinated. Uh, I should mention, I just found out this morning that my sister, who is a high school math teacher in Tacoma, Washington, um, they just opened up registration for teachers this morning um, in that area of the world. And my sister is also getting vaccinated on Saturday. So it's quite interesting that we're in alignment totally uh, with my uh, family back in Washington state. So 
Uh, again, it is, it is choice to be vaccinated or not. No one is going to impose vaccination on another individual. It's a medical informed decision. Um, and, and I value that. And, and, and we're just making this an opportunity because we all want to get out of this thing we call a pandemic and, and, and particularly make sure that we don't have serious disease. Again, the key here is vaccination is primarily about making sure that there's not more serious consequences. There are some that will still get sick, but they won't become seriously ill. And that's our primary motivation behind making sure that vaccination is readily available. By the way, I still predict that when it becomes viable, that we will have an opportunity to do vaccination as a community, just like we did flu vaccine. And so as soon as that opportunity is available, that's my next project is getting our entire community access to vaccine um, on site or, or easily accessible. And as you heard Dr. O say, um, they're looking at rollout for uh, uh, special populations in the very near future. And we're hopeful that we'll be able to help support that with our partnership with Epixpert or through whatever means necessary to make sure um, that we offer the opportunity for our community to get protected. And in the fall, we'll be facing um, 12 to 18 year olds. Uh, the research studies are likely to be done during the summer and we'll be looking at our first round of student vaccination uh, that'll be available um, likely come late fall or early in um, 2022. Um, so keep that in mind as well, that that's the progression step-by-step. Uh, data regarding transmission of vaccinated people is not conclusive, so you cannot solidly claim that the risk is the same. I'm not sure what you're referring to. And again, the channel for Slido is about questions, not about sharing opinion. I'm happy to have you, um, uh, you know, come uh, and, and, and share your thoughts with us through the survey. Call me directly, write to me, email. Uh, but we're not trying to quote data or, or, or argue through Slido. So this is really not the place for this. Um, but again, we're trying to do the best we can to protect as many people as we can. Um, why the staff must wait two to three months for the second dose? That's just the recommendation of AstraZeneca. It's a requirement. So it's going to be eight to 12 weeks. Uh, we're going to choose a date in that range. The company will not um, immunize the second dose earlier than eight weeks, and it's not recommended. AstraZeneca in the current research actually recommends the longer we wait, the better the efficacy of the vaccine. Now, you'll have protection from the AstraZeneca vaccine within two to three weeks after the first dose, but your actual efficacy of protection will continue to increase incrementally over that eight to 12 week period before the second dose is applied. And current studies, Dr. O has shared these with me that are out there, uh, suggest the closer to 12 weeks, the better. That's the current recommendation from the medical practitioners. And you can check that with your own doctor, uh, but uh, we'll be talking to uh, the company that's coming in on Friday about getting the best possible date for our staff and do that with medical advice in order to make sure um, that we've got the best possible choice on the table. Uh, is the staff getting vaccinated or only teachers? Staff, again, I said this earlier, it was expanded to include all school personnel this week. So again, it's having a, 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 a place 
for all school personnel. And that's been expanded for all the public schools across Poland at the same time. So they're all busy registering the rest of their school personnel in order to get vaccination. So it's not just teachers, it is all school personnel. And again, I did that. Um, the, the, this, the session is taking place for you to ask questions so that I can respond to them. Again, I'm just gonna say to you, you're welcome in the Zoom room. We can talk here. You're welcome to call me directly. Uh, the Slido is not about debate. It is about asking questions that we can answer in an open town hall format. And I appreciate your input. Um, and then there was one other there and I accidentally clicked before it went away. So I apologize for that. Um, but if you want to pop it back in, I'm happy to go back. I'm going to pop over to comments and Facebook. Um, have the second dose. Do you think it's possible for early years? Uh, we'd ask that one. Uh, great news about staff. Great news. Um, volunteered. I think I covered that. Uh, open all the time. Astrogenica studies say second dose should be eight to 12 weeks after the first. This is why there's a wait. Thank you. Laura for reiterating you know, over there in the comments. So I think I've covered everything. Uh, Houston CS not wearing masks at recess. Um, the teachers do care. Don't worry about that. We do work hard to try to develop a good uh, sense of, of mask wearing. Uh, but again, we always said in elementary, it's as feasible and we're doing reminders and we're, and we're working hard uh, with our community to, to build this as a common habit. And the vast majority of kids are doing an absolutely outstanding job. And I was all around school today, so I know. I've got video of it, actually, as we went around and did a virtual tour of the facility. Uh, kids wearing well-fitted masks that parents have gone to great care with their children to find something that's comfortable and effective for them to wear at school and do so in a way that uh, that is that is good for their child and good for other children and for staff members as well. So again, if we have a few outliers, we will continue to work on that and continue to try to improve and we're doing a focus on that. And a big thank you there for all the information. So with that, I think I'm going to turn off Slido and come back to uh, the main screen. Um, again, a uh, quick note uh, to any grade five parents on tonight that there's a small error in e-notes tonight. Thank you, Mr. Flattiger. I'll go ahead and speak it out as well. The parent Zoom require regarding PYP is on March 12th, not this Friday. So please change your calendar there. It's March 12th, not this Friday. Apologies for the date error there and uh, making sure um, that you join us for the PYPX. PYPX means exhibition, and uh, that's our fifth graders showcasing their learning and really an important waypoint of the year. So look for information on that. And uh, this is, I think, the kickoff with parents to help them understand what's going to be happening in PYPX and how we're going to take our kids to um, one of their wonderful learnings within the PYP program. All right, I think that's it. I don't see any other questions here. Uh, in the Facebook chat. Always happy to be with you. Really wish more would come into the Zoom room. I'd love to have more of a conversation. Uh, today in the open house, there were many parents that asked questions and we had conversation. I think that helps in this environment. So uh, please feel free to join me over here in the Zoom room and, uh, and uh, settle in with a cup of coffee with me and we can talk and share our conversation with everybody else. Uh, if you ever, would ever like to do that uh, specifically, 
and set something up so that we can talk about a particular topic that you want to join me on. I'm happy to have guests, as I've always done here uh, in the town hall, and uh, certainly would have that in the future. We've got some uh, things on tap for the next town hall coming up in two weeks. Um, so look for that. Uh, we'll be talking, I think, about precious plastics. If you haven't had a chance yet, please uh, drive past our installation as it's developing across from the high school entrance. And I'll also quickly note across from the high school entrance is a clothing uh, collection point. Uh, used in secondhand clothing is being collected there. Uh, there's a student project associated with this. And so a shout out to please help her get the clothing. She has uh, restrictions and she needs to get 200 grams in there, I think it is. I can't remember the exact number, but... Um, please uh, take a look at that. Again, it's directly across from the high school entrance in front of the uh, maintenance building. Uh, you'll see it there on stilts and you've seen it in e-notes. Uh, please drop your closet clean out and uh, get it into that bin to help support that amazing project. Um, pavilion standing outside now. Oh, that's uh, Agata. That's what I was just talking about. That's precious plastics. We're going to talk about that at the next Town Hall, they're excited about that and the equipment's being set up as we speak, we're waiting for electricity to be connected and we're hoping to actually uh, potentially broadcast live from there for some portion of our next Town Hall. So looking forward to that um, and uh, take a look at that as it develops and comes together. This is a multi-year project that started early last year and we're excited about sharing it with you. And uh, the students who have been involved are excited to finally have the home established and ready for the project. All right, I think that's about it. Another question in Slido. Well, let's see, maybe I can come back here. Uh, American citizens via the embassy, no. Uh, the US uh, is primarily focused on the US, there is some work to develop missions. I think there are limited numbers of doses for embassy personnel, but there's no US rollout of vaccination for anything beyond embassy personnel that I'm aware of. So again, uh, I hope that answers that question. Um, and again, we are still looking at other sources of vaccine that may emerge in the months ahead, uh, largely government controlled right now. So uh, it may take uh, a number of months before there are multiple options or opportunities uh, for vaccination. We are certainly seeing uh, good progress in the United States right now, but again, hard to determine how that's gonna roll out because that's a state by state problem. Uh, around the world, it varies country to country, as you heard Dr. O talk about. Um, it's just a matter of time. It's about ramping up production. It's about uh, building infrastructure. It's about, um, new vaccines that are yet to be announced that are on the horizon that will also be introduced in the coming months as they receive both emergency use and ultimately full use authorization. And of course, as I mentioned, the studies that are being done right now to authorize it for 12 to 18 year olds. And then I would presume ultimately for the six year old plus. Dr. Rose talked about this in the past and vaccines of you know, this nature as they're developed, it's possible that COVID may turn into the next annual flu vaccine or booster shots associated with variants. Um, it's, a, it's a learning process, but we're in the best time in human history right now um, to be dealing with a virus like this because the medical science is, has been absolutely fabulous in helping to inform and, and support us in uh, confronting this pandemic. 
but we're not done yet. And so please stay tuned. Uh, we're gonna continue to refine our practices and protocols from that science as well. And we know that things are going to get incrementally better uh, along the way. There'll be fits and starts. There'll be good news and followed by bad news. And we'll go back and forth a little bit, but we're definitely, uh, at least I feel on a positive trend line now with lots of good news on the horizon. If we can stay the course on our practices and our protocols, and if we can hope and keep in our thoughts uh, the many efforts to bring resolution to this through science, through vaccination, and, and through our own diligent efforts uh, to protect each other. We're all in this together, and we'll keep working on it here, and we need your help as well in continuing our journey along this pathway. So with that, I will say uh, thank you to all of you for being with me again tonight. Uh, you've always been my stalwart crowd. Uh, I see 66 of you out there right now, and I know we were up and down numbers. Um, so please feel free to join us again in two weeks. Look for the information. Uh, weekly updates now instead of daily updates. I hope that's been helpful in uh, kind of mediating the inbox. And, uh, and we'll keep you informed as always uh, through both our weekly and special updates. Uh, in order to keep us all safe and keep us all on the same page. Have a wonderful evening, everyone. It's been a pleasure being with you. And with that, we will take us out with the closing music. <laughs>